Hello, my friends, and welcome to the latest episode of Armor Party. I am your host, Mike Forrester, and boy, do I have a show for you. Before we get started, I have some exciting news to share that our humble little group of podcasts in the Thank Their Maker Network is teaming up with Roosevelt's for Mosh Eisley, our punk and emo-themed Star Wars party happening in Las Vegas on October 28th. Roosevelt's has had some of the coolest pop culture themed shirts I've seen. They make shirts and shorts and tees and koozies, and they're super comfortable, and they have hilariously awesome artwork on them from Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, The Office, Jurassic Park, and a ton of other franchises. So use code THANKTHEMAKER at checkout on roosevelts.com, which is spelled R-S-V-L-T-S.com, for 20% off your order. Now, let's get into this episode because I know you're ready to go hunting for that bounty. This interview is a look at the reality of how shows are made, some insight into movie magic, and most importantly, a study of perseverance and just appreciation. So fire up those engines, buckle in that little green baby, and keep your blaster on your side. Let's start the show. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. A quote from the legendary late John Wayne about riding headfirst into new adventures. Since 2018, this man behind the Beskar has captured the galaxy with enough cowboy swagger to send shivers down the spine of any wrongdoer in Beggar's Canyon. An actor, stuntman, and father has brought to life the iconic role of Din Djarin in the Mando universe of Star Wars. Joining us from California, I am honored to welcome none other than the Mandalorian himself, Brendan Wayne. Brendan, welcome to the Armor Party. Thank you. Thank you. I am honored to be here. I, I have to tell you, um, I, I'm sure your audience already knows, but I'm talking to somebody who, as an artist, is pretty dang incredible. Um, I have your, if I was in my room, you would see it's such a beautiful idea and everything. Like, I show it to anybody that I know is a fan, all my kids like buddies they come in they're like oh did they make this for you and i was like actually no that's just actually somebody who's incredibly talented so yes uh uh i i do i play the mando and i will make one correction because it's really important to me and i know sure I'm credited in the first season as a stuntman but i'm not i've never been okay i uh anything i do physically and if I am a stuntman, then Disney owes me a lot of money because I never got paid for any of the stunts I've done. There we go. I look at it as extensions of my character. Sure. Um, Latif is truly a stuntman. And like he's on another level of stunts that I, I could only dream of. People that I really admire in this business are often stuntmen like J.J. Dashnaw. Like yeah. These guys who just set a, a world and an environment because of a show like this, I think it's really important uh, that I do my uh, give them the honor of uh, introducing them as what yeah. they are. So I don't try to steal anybody's, you know, sure. thunder. I would never take credit for something I didn't do. So for me, 
Um, it's really important that I, I point out, you know, uh, that Latif yeah. is the stuntman. And I yeah, do absolutely. what I can physically. As an actor, I've always done what I can physically because I think it informs the character. Sure. I think William Defoe spoke to that uh, when he talked about doing the Green Goblin. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, if you wonder how I feel about it, you can read what he said about that. That's where I come from. So, anyways, <laughs> I love that. that. Yes. I'm very honored that. to be a part of this universe. Uh, the fandom is, you know, I always thought I was a fan. And then something, you know, you meet people who, it, it, it took them out of dark places. And, sure. and I get humbled constantly by the fandom because I've, you know, I've met a guy in the Netherlands who's, was overcoming PTSD from being assaulted on the job as a policeman. Sure. And the Mandalorian helped him motivate to come back and do the job that he loved. So guys who fought cancer watching the Mandalorian, it inspired him. I was only part of the beautiful storytelling that happens. And I did everything I could to convey what I could to help tell that story. But you know, anyone from, from jewel to uh, Murphy on B camera or Simon on a camera or Dave Klein Kim, my, my first AD sure. park director, you know, yeah. like there isn't, there isn't one person who's expendable, not one. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, and I think Brendan, for, for people who, uh, you know, part of this costuming podcast that I've started here, which has wildly gotten out of control in terms of people that I've had on here to be able to come on and share their love of Star Wars. Um, you know, it's it's for many of us and myself included that that become these characters, uh, you know, kind of become extension of these characters for small communities and people who are outside of, of the Hollywood land, because um, as hobbyists, we like to put these costumes on and, you know, you show up at, at your local library and kids think the Mandalorian is there. And that that just encourages that love and that creativity and that just childlike curiosity of, of wonder. Um, and so it's, it's a real pleasure to have you uh, here to talk with us and kind of just give us some insight into for anyone who's ever wanted to be a character off of this franchise that they love, you know, we're going to get some tips from you. And, and I just love that. I appreciate this more than, you know, so I went out and I threw out a first pitch at a baseball game Yeah, because I was the Mandalorian, but I didn't wear the costume. Um, yeah. Lucas wouldn't lose film, wanted no part of that. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and I had some guys come from the 501st down there in San Diego. Yeah. And dude showed up, and he was in a great, you know, uh, I don't know if he had someone, I can't remember, who he had make it. And yeah. I'd love to give him credit, but I, I can't think of who it was. But so he had his own costume on, and I'm standing there, and there's this little kid standing there, and mom, his mom goes, the Mandalorian's here. And that kid walked right by me and went up to him. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. And yeah. So like, yeah. Like, Cause that's what matters. Like, right. And the fact that I have fans, uh, come up to me and, and they're girls or boys, it doesn't matter. Right. All they care about is that they identify with something either they want to be or that they think they are or that they want to live. Yeah. And you know, that's pretty cool. And I love the fact that it is, it doesn't matter what gender you are. It's gender affirming. Cause it's yeah. like, I always refer to him, especially now with the, with what I call the Tesla version. Shoot, there the you go. Oh, yeah. Um, is that he's a mirror that the audience sees themselves. In. 
Yeah, I and love that. That's why he, the character gets to be so successful. And yeah. that's the genius of Dave and John. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, and, and you said too, kind of at the, at the beginning of the conversation, I think for people who have uh, been able to watch the gallery and they've, they've, they've seen your face in regards to a lot of the behind the scenes work, um, there have been four people who have played this character of Din Djarin, which is yourself, uh, Latif Crowder Dos Santos, uh, who is, as you said, the stunts and, and originally I think they were dubbing him the brawler version of Mando, the, the, you know, yeah. the, whoever's, whoever's getting in there and getting physical and, and roughing guys up. And then, yeah. uh, also, uh, Barry Lowen, right. Is, uh, also yeah, sure, played, Barry. uh, uh, Din Djarin. And then of course, Pedro, uh, for the speaking roles and for the voice that we've, we've known to also come to appreciate. And I believe Brendan, correct me if I'm wrong. Were you also one of the death watch, the, the savior Mandalorians in season one? I was uh, the one who saved Din Djarin. Yes. Saved was, yourself. Yes. I say it's really weird. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was quite amazing. I, I, funny enough, I, you know, I had played another role, but it ended up getting cut uh, in the first season. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was. I was that. Uh, I was uh, Death Watch. And there's, there's a few of us, I mean, really when we started, it was, you know, it was Latif and I, and then I, I, they, they realized that they needed some more hands on deck after we went through part of first season and then second season, I was, I, I, you know, I was in the hospital for eight weeks. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wasn't there in the beginning for a couple, I guess, you know, like six to eight weeks i guess it was and then sure. uh then when i came back i uh it was my life raft so i believe I it was like let's go let's work i don't yeah. care how you know i was 145 pounds when i came back so oh my gosh i was like let's go yeah yeah right put it put it on me put on the those mando pounds let's get to work We'll be fine. Yeah, I believe it. Well, I love your I love your passion for the role. And what I would love to do too is, Brendan, let's go back a little bit. Like I would love to know, uh, before you got into this wild space adventure, what was Star Wars like for you growing up? I mean, was it a part of your life as as a you know a young person in the country of where that George Lucas changed through sci fi? Well, for me especially, um, you know, I my grandfather's the most iconic cowboy on earth. I mean, right. people may be now, I mean, with some distance, you know, Clint's up there, but you know, I go to other countries, continents, and there's, there's nothing like it. The, the recognition of my grandfather, and it's not, you know, necessarily a cowboy, sure. but the ideals of what was presented. That's what I found. And it's quite amazing that, that idea. So when Lucas was doing this, it was because they weren't going to do cowboy movies, not the traditional style. And right. he needed to tell, he loved that idea and how you do those big sweeping desert shots and, uh, finding, you know, Luke and, you know, uh, Obi, I, I like that's so Western in its structure in its, uh, just everything, but he, you know, we always hear people say, you tell the story, same story so many times, blah, blah, blah. So I'm walking into a movie theater with my family, with my mother, whose father is John Wayne. 
Um, she's not moved by many things. She's not. She's she's seen her father do two hundred films. Yeah, sure. There's very few stories that have any originality to her. Yeah. And she was kind of geeked out to see this movie. She was very excited to bring us to it. Uh, I didn't know why. Um, I would say I was a Cowboys kind of guy, cops kind of guy. Naturally. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, as a kid. (laughs) And so walking into this, my older brothers were definitely good with the sci-fi. I was, I was, I don't think I was as introduced to it with a love. Sure. So I was like, eh. Plus, I'm pretty much a simpleton, so it probably confused my <laughs> brain. But we uh, we get in there, man, and I watched that, and I went, this is amazing. And my mom kept saying, this is a Western told in space. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady, but this is really cool. This is unbelievable. This yeah. guy's got this sword that's not a sword, you know? So it's all those those samurai moments. Anyway, so I watched this movie and from that point on, you know, uh, Luke on solo, I mean, Boba Fett broke my heart, but at the same time I was so enthralled by his character. Yeah. I was so mad at him. I wanted to kill him. But at the same time, <laughs> being the last of eight kids, that was pretty much the character I was left to play with. Yeah. You know? So, then I had to find why I loved him. And, and so he became a big part of my whole thing, especially because then there was like Superman and Batman to me. And sure. I didn't know much more as far as superheroes. So he kind of, you know, the Jedi, all these things were there, but there was something about Boba that I don't know. He was different. It was, it, it was less mercenary to me and more like, I don't know. We, we'll see. So, yeah, I grew up with the Star Wars. I used to wait outside the theater when you bought tickets and didn't have a seat. So, yeah. like, my brothers and I waited 18 hours in line in front of the Lorena Theater here in the Valley. Uh, that's now a bookstore, I guess. Um, for A New Hope, I saw that in Van Nuys at the GCC. I, I can tell you where I was. I can tell you all of it. I, I mean, yeah, Star Wars. And and the anticipation, you know, we have a different feel now for everything because it comes out and you can watch everything. Sure, sure. Five minutes after it's been, you know, shot, this was different. We we had to wait years, you know. Right. We had we had summer seasons where there weren't new shows. We would have reruns of shows, you know. So this was all like, I don't know, I don't know how you, yeah, yeah. I can relate it other than to say that you had that patience and in that patience, it was like waiting for Christmas. Yeah. That's how I can say it. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. I can't wait to Christmas. I want to ask for this. I want to ask for that. And then you open it and you're like, did I like it? Yeah. Right. I was never, not once was I disappointed as a kid in star Wars. Never. Yeah. Not, not any moment. Everything compelled me and the storytelling allowed me to go away from whatever was going on in the world. Sure. It was me going through teenage years and being a pain in the ass, whatever it was, it was like being on the, on the field, you know, uh, you just, you got to leave Yeah. and I didn't watch it to break it down or to cut it up and examine it. I watched it to be taken on a journey and Lucas was so good at it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a, I know it was a beautiful Western. So yeah. Did I love star Wars? Yes. Without a doubt. I love that. Uh, and I, and I love, I love the, the 
it was almost like it was almost like the force brendan that you had a you had a connection to boba fett because without boba fett we wouldn't have had the mandalorian and then for you to stand side by side with boba fett what a, like oh my gosh uh, how crazy is that it began, it began better because when it, when i was called to go in for this um it was so secretive oh yeah and so when i walk in a legacy and they open this you know uh costume container i go it's boba fett they're like no i can recognize that t visor anywhere (laughs) i mean and it was it wasn't that it was the brown pinto uh armor yeah and i was like um that's and they were so like no it's not i was like dude i'm not telling it's i don't have any yeah mics on it's boba fett it's cool no it's not and i was like whatever 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 you say (laughs) <laughs> and they uh, they had me put it on, and I was like, okay, not Boba Fett. And they're looking at me, and it's funny because they had made it for a guy who was six five, and wow. uh, I'm I'm six foot. Um, they had had another guy in there who's really good at what he does. Um, I think they wanted somebody who I think it was kind of like a I didn't, I think they didn't want to redo. Darth Vader again? Yeah, sure. I can and, I can see that. Because, um, I mean, it would, like the dude who was going to do it is incredibly athletic. So it wasn't going to be stiff. So I don't know. Anyways, I was lucky enough. It fit me except for late. So thank God this dude was like so in shape that I could wear it. Even the helmet fit. And so oh these guys yeah. are like, oh, you're the guy. And I... And I I didn't, you know, like usually I walk into those kind of things. Since there were no directors or casting directors, maybe I was just a little looser. There you go. I was very offhand and I was like, yeah, I, I knew that when I walked in, guys. We're good. <laughs> and they were like, and I was like, nah, we got this. Let's go. And they were like, uh, we're going to go take pictures of you. I'm like, cool, let's go. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm still thinking in my head, oh, we're, I'm Boba Fett. This is going to be <laughs> unreal. I'm going to go, I'm going to tell everybody I got to at least put on the costume before everybody. Mind you, like, I think uh, I think it was like ten days later. I'm taking my oldest kid up to college, and so I don't hear anything for like eight days. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, "Hey, uh, you know, next week we need you to come in." I'm like, "Nap." And they're like, "What?" They're like, "We want you to do a screen test." I'm like, "Nope." They're like, "What?" I'm like, yeah, "Cowboy I Swagger." Yeah, no, and I was like, I, I was like, "You guys." I'm not falling for this. I'm going to do this. And then somebody else is going to come in. And um, yeah, so, so used to Hollywood and the heartbreak. You so sure? I was like, nah, um, I'm taking my kid to call it. So they're like, um, can you wait? I'm like, no, no. only happens once. Yeah. Right. I'm going. I have <laughs> yeah. a great one. They're like, uh, I'm, they're like, when are you leaving? I go in two days. They're like, uh, okay. Next thing I know, they're like, you're coming in the day before you leave. And we, we need to do this. And so I go in and I'm a, I, you know, you say cowboy. To me, it's like Mandalorian. It's not that you uh, are on a horse or anything like that. It's that you have a code you live by. Right. And it has honor in it. It's not about being dastardly. I think that's kind of why my, my grandfather got a little prickly when uh, there was a, what he considered uh, a little cowardice in some of these gunfighters in these Westerns. Sure. Um, and so 
to me, when people say that, I take a lot of pride in the idea behind that because it, it was the way I was raised. My mother was very good about that. My father lived his life in a way that had honor. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, so I get to this screen test and I'm still wearing that, you know, they made some adjustments for me. Sure. And I told them what size I was. I put on the shoes and they're two sizes too big, but I don't tell anybody. I'm like, I'll make it work. Yep. I walk on set. They walk in with that rifle. Oh, the Amban pulse rifle. And so first thing is I look at it and I go, okay, where's this going? They're like, it's going on your back. And I'm like, it's too long. I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on in my head. Cause now directors are here. Yeah, sure. Like John's sure. here. And yeah, I've, I've worked with John on, on Cowboys and aliens, but right. God knows John could have forgotten who I was. You know yeah. what I mean? He didn't. That's why I'm in the room, but like he might not be used to kind of being, you know, something questioned and normally I would never do something like that, but like, sure. cause you honor the people who have earned your respect and he yeah. definitely has. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be, I wasn't mean or jerky, right. but I was like, no, it's too long. I got these boots. This is going to catch. Um, how am I getting this thing off me? And they're like, uh, what? I'm like, I need to be able to flip this thing over so we can go right into it or flip it over so I can go, you know, two handed. Right. And they're like, you, you would. I'm like, yeah, well, why else would I carry a rifle? I'm like, put on a magnet. Can we put a magnet here? And then they, I mean, they were great about it. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm running, this thing's going to bounce. So we right. got to get a clip for that. Like, I've never been so connected to a character without knowing in my life. Now, I will say this. Once I did that uh, try on, I went on, or my wife went on Amazon because she's the greatest acting coach in the world. And she was like, honey, I got this helmet and it was a Boba Fett helmet. It was just yeah. like a cheap piece of plastic. Are you sure? And she's like, walk around. And then I put on, I have like a crash, a motorcycle crash outfit. So like it had all these things. So I, I walked around and I did, I mean, I drove in it. Not a good idea. Um, but, uh, cosplayers have been doing that for years, Brendan. Don't worry. You're in, you're in good, you're in good company with these people. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I learned how to live like a Mandalorian. Technically yeah. that's, that's pretty much how I approach it. I'm going to go, I'm going to move around. So when I got to this, um, screen test, I understood how to be able to look down in the front of this mask. Yeah. You know, cause there's just enough room where I can right. look down and see the floor to make sure I'm not going to step on a cable or, you know, they, they put rugs down so I don't make right. noise with the mics or whatever. Um, and so that never took me out of a scene. And so I had figured out long before I walked in there that there was going to, these are my obstacles. How do I overcome them? Sure. And I looked at it, a friend of mine once said to me, hey, look, um, you you practice like you play. And I'd grown up playing sports, so I understood. And he goes, so if you don't raise your levels when you're practicing, then when it comes time to play and everything gets excited, you're not prepared. And luckily, I was I was really there. Um, yeah. And it was it was bitching. And then I so I put on this costume and the shoes are a little too big. Um now, I don't know if you ever looked at Mad Magazine when you were growing yeah. up. But yeah, they, right. they, one of the characters had the foot, and then the part of it would be like still on the ground. And it, yeah, right. You know, that's yeah. kind of how I was walking. 
And John, you know, we, I do all these things like walk up a ramp, walk down a ramp, jump off something, move around. And uh, John's like, okay, you're, you're just kind of walking too pronounced. And I go, honestly, I, I don't want to complain, but uh, it's these the sketchers, man. It's these sketchers. <laughs> and they are sketchers <laughs> that they built around. I right. go, uh, they're a little long. And he goes, what? I go, yeah. He goes, how much? I'm like, it's at least two sizes. And he's like, do you do, bring your shoes in here? Yeah. And, and like all of a sudden I see him go over to somebody. And he's like, yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, I hope they're not getting in trouble. Man alive, like. That was that right there was when I went, Oh, we're going to work on something. Like we're going to do, we are going to do something. I talked to Josh Roth, uh, right at the beginning, fat dragon props about his guns. I need the holster dropped. I don't want it up on my hip. It's too high. Then my hands here and I'm doing this. That's not gun. We pull here. It's always got to be at my, you know, hip, you know, like, uh, below my hip on my bone, uh, where my femur is. Sure. Let's, you know, these kind of things. And I had always drawn guns from the time I was a kid. Didn't yeah. matter if it was uh, FBI style or Western style. Yeah, I always, I'd always practice. When I got to Cowboys and Aliens, I met Thel Reed, who's one of the greatest guys. He did three ten to Yuma. Right. I like everybody, um, and, he, and nobody else was around. So I just sat with him, and he taught me, and he taught me, and he taught me, and. The rest is history. So um, that was unreal. And I got to wear this costume. And it's funny because now people come to me and they're like, oh, God, is it terrible? Is it hybrid? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I Dude, look awesome. I feel awesome. Everything about it's awesome. It's everything I imagined as a kid, except for now I get to wear this helmet. Right. Like, so when somebody shoots me in the face, I can be like, yeah, you really didn't shoot me. I'm not just that annoying kid who's like, no, you didn't hit me. Yeah. I'm like, I defended it with my best guard. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, so that was big for me. Yeah. And the, 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 for, for people who have really started to appreciate where costuming in Star Wars has gone, and we just see it every, like every series that's come out since The Mandalorian, it's just been a feast for our eyes to, oh, to yeah. see new costumes, to see new iterations of classic characters. Um, and something that people are really shocked to find is that uh, the, the costume with this beautiful paint job, this beautiful chrome paint job that was done by Derek Rose, uh, Derek Rosengrand, um, it's, it's actually, it's urethane rubber. And, and so it has a, li- it's rigid, but it has a little bit of flexibility to it where most of the costumes in 1960. 77 are made yep. of, of of plastic right hard plastic because that's yeah. what they had they didn't my my costume's 3d printed okay really so the so the the core part of it is uh it's it's not that urethane then like the no. uh okay so we're I th- talking we are like so my gauntlet yeah uh those are 3d printed uh trevor hensley who's an absolute stud Mike Manziel, Tamara Carlson. I mean, I, I like Jason Matthew, like Khan, all these guys who created, you know, Grogu, yeah. um, the Terminator, like yeah. costumes, yeah. things like, I mean, think of like, you're talking about these costumes, right? And I know we're talking Star Wars and sure, yeah, sure. but like for me, Terminator, 
Like that was so intense. These guys, you walk in the in the building, and there's a Terminator yeah. staring at you, and you're like, <laughs> and then you see like Avatar, and you're like, unreal. And then you yeah. see like Idris Elba's costume from you know Thor, and you're like, unbelievable. These guys do everything. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So that's they they printed um, that I. I don't, I, my leg, I call them leg irons. They aren't iron. Sure. I think those are the only things that were um, not completely printed. But okay. Because I was, my my legs are smaller than the other guy. Uh, they had to, they had to reprint a lot of that stuff to fit the right way for me. Okay. And then That's... at the same time, they needed it to strike the pose that John wanted. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, and the, the tricky part about that costume in particular too, and I want to ask you about this because you're bringing a lot of real life practicality, uh, to where star Wars never really had, you know, there's, you look at the blasters and there's no recoil or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And they've always kind of just had, you know, and then there's always been this basis of, you know, at at the time George Lucas went to the prop house and, and, you know, went to Bapti props and said, what do you have for blasters? And they were like, uh, we got a bunch of world war two guns. Is, is that okay? And they just like, you know, added a couple of greeblies on it and said, uh, it's a space gun now. Um, yes. and so, and so you're bringing a lot of, uh, a lot of real life practicality and understanding, you know, that of course, like even on your, the side holster, the side holster has to stay down in your side or else when Man. you go to pull that thing out, you're going to pull the holster with it. So oh, what yeah. I want to know is what was it like Ow. for you to, yeah, right. Well, I, what was it like for you to train with, uh, well, first of all, this is probably the first time you're wearing hand plates. Uh, you've also got, <laughs> I you mean, know, they, they limited here. Yeah. You're and you're limited, you know, your gauntlets are, you know, you have a, a limited range of motion for your hand. And then also the fact that, you know, you've got, you've got two layers of gloves on and then you yeah. have a helmet that you can't see on. So are you pretty much like to train, you know, you training in the dark? Like how, how did you learn to get so comfortable in all those different styles that we've known to appreciate in Dinjarin? I, I used Boba's visor. Yeah. So I walked around with that. On top of that, John, you know, like I had Western, John wanted Western rules and I'm very familiar with them. Right. So, um, minimalist, almost like Kabuki. So I studied a lot of Kabuki. I worked with my wife, Sarah Arrington, who's an amazing actress, but more importantly, uh, for me in this moment was an incredible acting coach. Yeah. Um, simplicity, matters clint eastwood my grandfather people always talked about their presence in moments yeah. their presence was dictated by their lack of need to tell you they were there they mm. allowed the storyteller to find him so i walked down the planks to go into the ice bar and you know i'm there to get the mithril back and that you know i walk in the door opens and i'm there yeah I don't like, you know, come in shooting. Yeah. I just walk in. I walk in. There's that moment. And it's such a great, you allow, allowing the story to be told of you instead of because of you. Right. I think really matters with Dim. Um, you know, for me, Mando was about simplicity. Yeah. Simplicity of creed, simplicity of movement. And so if I see people, uh, you know, who are dressed like him, 
and I see him go for their gun. You know, that was funny. It's funny you talked about the gun's going to come up with you, like the holster and everything. Because I looked at it and I was like, you guys, I need a tie down. Every cowboy has a tie down for a reason. And he's like, we can't have a tie down. It's too Western. Now, mind you, later on, there's a lot of people who get tie downs. <laughs> I didn't get one. Yeah, there you go, so, right? But, but Legacy figured it out. And they dropped one inside my pants behind the holster so you wouldn't see it. Velcroed it in, made it so I would put it in. And so, it's funny. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy had sent me this. Oh, there you go. And so it's it's right in there. Yeah. And sometimes I'll have it tied down if I'm walking. And other times if I have to sit down in a scene, they won't catch it mostly with a camera. But it will stay down even though my leg moves up. That means I didn't wear it. Yeah. 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 Um, I have, I have a piece of Velcro, uh, on the inside of mine. So it keeps it, it keeps it down there at the, at its side the whole time. See, but your pants, my pants were made to be, uh, like the idea behind him was that he was, you know, like it was kind of like, uh, Clint in the ponchos. There was yeah. kind of like a looseness to it all. Yeah. So I couldn't put it in my pants because my pants would have pulled out a little bit. And even that much stops my draw from being smooth. So I had to take that Velcro and get it around my leg. So every time we had to put a zipper back there, yeah. reach in. Man, you have the amount of hands that are not my wives that that have been inside <laughs> touching my thigh. Your whole in story. The last area. Years. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's not the, that's not Velcro. Yeah. 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 There you go. I love that. Well, that's, that, that's such a, that's such a great point too, because I feel like, um, in, in that particular case, we've, you know, we've seen this costume really turn into something and that scene that you're describing where, you know, the, it's really our first introduction that in my opinion, set the tone for the entire Mandalorian and yeah. that silhouette of Din standing there before he goes up and just kicks the crap out of Tate Fletcher's character, yes, comes, Tate, you know what I, I mean? And uh, he's, you know, and there's just this. Just so we know, Tate Fletcher is heavy Mando. That's who wears the costume. Paz Vizsla himself. And I tell every yeah. time I see him on screen, I go, oh, and I saw, uh, you know, I, I've got the action figure. And I said, don't worry, oh, yeah. Tate, I got you, man. Because Tate Tate's also from Michigan. And so, so am I. Yeah. yeah, so we're both so from Oh really? Where where's she from? She went to Interlochen, uh, and Western to go to school. But she um, she's from south of Grand Rapids in Chase Cadillac area. Yeah. So my my parents live in uh, my parents live in Bel Air. Yeah, which is uh, oh, yeah. which is yeah right yeah. So shorts brewing, and then uh, you also have Torch <laughs> Lake. And I, yes. I, I actually, last time I was at Interlochen, uh, I was dressed as a stormtrooper dancing on stage for Weird Al. No. Yeah. I love so, this. Yeah. That is a, that is a connection right there. I'm probably going to leave that in the podcast so people know this is, this is I the would. force at work right here. Yes. Yeah. Weird Al. God, I grew up on him. Yeah. Oh, he was the best. And he and he yeah. and he can't get it he can't get enough of this stuff. It's incredible. But but I, I think what what you you exactly of course captured the essence of understanding and I think this is why this character has resonated in that iconic silhouette because that's something Kathleen Kennedy has always said about Star Wars. Almost every character you can think of 
in Star Wars has a silhouette that if you just saw an all-black version of them, you would still know who they were. And if it's the difference of the rangefinder on Boba or to that that clean, that clean, subtle cape with the little crackle at the end of it, it's you can yeah. see it's Din Djarin, right? So I I love the the idea of of your your grandfather's legacy of of your presence should speak just as loud as any yeah. word that you don't have to say and i and i that yeah. scene particularly set the tone um i was at star wars celebration in 2019 when when john showed that footage for the first time and that was a moment for me that i said star wars it is going to come back better than ever. And I truly yeah. believe that that seeing that I said that and all, and of course it's, it's a, it's a testament to um, how much the fandom has appreciated uh, all of these conversations and all of this homework that you've put in to bringing this character to life. So I absolutely love that. And I, what I want to ask you about too, Brendan, um, you know, when, when you talk about uh, that, the, the balance of, of subtlety in, in presence, and then at the same time, knowing that your character literally on screen is expressionless in a, in in what we always look at as humans we always look at our faces to to you know yeah. catch a catch a read and see what's going on but um you know there was a moment in season 2 where boba thinks that he's meeting another mandalore i'm sorry din thinks that he's meeting another mandalorian cobb banth takes his helmet yeah. off and you have this it literally was profound to me and i know that it sounds so silly because it was so subtle but there was a like a you turn in like you're going to come sit down with this guy he takes off his helmet and then you have this like <gasps> moment that you realize he's not a man who is the, the like none of the no. no 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 this guy is a this guy is a heretic like he can't do this and there was this subtle moment that i read your your body expression so hard that i went this is i mean it's incredible that he didn't nothing changed about the helmet but that subtle little detail of little just, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, and I want to know, like, how difficult is that to come in and say, I, no one's going to be able to pick up on my, on my face, but I have to kind of do the acting through my body in not going too overboard, like a theater actor, but at the same time, enough difference in the subtlety of being able to make the expressions through your body. Like, what is that process for you? Like, I would recommend it to any actor out there i think any time that you are like i gotta try something new so when i go and it doesn't matter what you're doing like any audition you're doing you should try to do it without being able to see their expressions on your face because yeah. you know uh i'm trying to think of, like how like John was, John understood it. He understood it from the MCU and uh, I had an idea of it. And so those two, my, my expression of it mixed with John's um, understanding of the need for minimal yeah. movement, because if you start doing this then a helmet, man, you look like a bobblehead. And I remember right. him telling me that at this, at the screen test. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay suck it in, let it radiate. And I had learned, you know, my technique is literally uh, not about direct personal usage, but the idea that we can feel things and they could be a color, like it could feel the color blue. 
Yeah. So it gave me this great crucible to learn, to carry, to feel. And then you have John and Dave sitting there and they're very honest and very kind. And, you know, they want you to succeed because they're trying to tell a beautiful story. Sure. And so that's where, that's where the we comes in. So, you know, first season I'm working with, you know, legacy. I'm like, Hey guys, I can't sit down. Can we take off the back plate? Um, so that I'm able to, you know, carry the energy of the moment here. And so, you know, like if I'm like this, then I'm kind of defeated and I'm in this helmet. And then John saying, Hey, look, don't drop that helmet too close to here. Right. Because it's good. You're going to look connected. And so, you know, when I'm in that costume, because there's, I have a neck, Uh, you know, my brothers used to call me pencil neck. So (laughs) like, like you can tell if there's a space, it's me. Yeah. If there's no shoulders, you know, it's Latif. And so, uh, because <laughs> like, he's just, he's like this specimen. I don't even understand. Yeah. So, yeah. but then, then camera starts, you know, Craig, first season, Baz, all these guys, they're able to help me understand where I am in the frame, how this camera's coming at me. And, and, and John's there, or Rick or Deb, um, they're there. And they're there to tell me that this means I'm going to violently kill someone. Sure. And you're like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah. And so you go, wait. So if I'm here and I go, there's something big that's going to happen. Yeah. Versus, and it's that simple. You're like, somebody says something, you know, Omer looks at you. And you feel the connection and you're like, you know. Yep, I know it. And it's just, it's those little things that it's a we thing. Trevor, uh, second season, you know, Shauna comes in and yeah, makes the improvements. And then, you know, we, we continue every season through Boba Fett, through season three. Yeah. Um, to, to make little adjustments. And then understanding what are the new changes that we're going to have eventually through the end of the story. What's the arc of the story? How do I need to move? Oh, you know, it's those kind of things. And it's so much fun. Yeah. Because, you know, I was the smallest one in my family. And so uh, uh, everybody, all the boys in my family, even, I mean, my mom was six feet tall. I'm six feet tall. I'm uh, 175 pounds. I'm not. I'm not even close. Like the smallest brother I have is six two, two hundred fifty pounds. So the idea, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the yeah. idea. Of how do I play this big, strong, tough guy? And then John tells you, "Hey, trust me." Dave tells you, "Rick, the mud horn scene." Yeah. And I and I lift that knife up, and I'm like this, yeah. you know. I remember I, it was just a miserable day. Yo, yeah, I'm but, sure. I'm sure. I mean, they just keep having to spray me. I'm like, but I won't tell them anything because, yeah, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. My brain doesn't work. Yeah. I'm um, working in Star Wars. How bad could it be? Yeah. And, and Rick's like, Rick's like, I say to him, I'm like, this is, ter- this is so cheesy. And he's like, no, it's not. No, it's going to be wait. iconic. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Rick was right. I was wrong. hundred percent. It was iconic. It was this beautiful thing. I was like, Oh my God. And yeah. that's the other thing. 
I'm not a big fan of going and looking at like playback unless they're like, Hey, this isn't working. And sure. then I'll, I'll look and be like, okay, why is it working? Because I assume I do my job. You do your job. They do their job. Everybody's doing a job. My job is to tell my story, not yeah. the story. And so I learned that from the time I was born, you know, do your job and stick with it. Yeah. I love and that. And if I can help somebody do something, you know, like if cameras, like, Hey, look, I got to get around here. I can slow my gate down. I can do those kind of things, but that's just help. I'm not doing anybody's job We're, that's us collaborating. Right. Um, and that's a great thing. And so, so how do you get that presence? First of all, you trust yourself. Number one thing and breathe slowly. Yeah. Because if you're not doing the right things, you're never going to, is there, it's going to come off like, I got to show you. And yeah, you're right. in a helmet yeah. and a costume like that. And I'm trying to show you how badass I am. Right. Does. Right. Yeah. There you go. And there we go. That's in, in part of our children's book, breathe like a Mandalorian is coming out. Is it? Um, <laughs> so, so Brendan, the, and that, that's such a great segue because I want to ask you specifically, because at the, at the time, you know, the, the other important part that was kind of the other silent partner in the room was the advancement of the stagecraft stage, the the, the oh volume as we've come to know it, right? And so what was that like for you as an as an actor to, you know, it, because there's so much, like we're, we're also simultaneously living in the past because we have amazing projects like Obi-Wan happening and we go back and we look at all this like old footage from when they were doing oh, yeah. stuff in the late 90s. And, you know, it's like you got to hand those guys some serious credit because they told Ewan McGregor, all right, you're sitting on this blue cushion. Imagine yeah. imagine it's a giant lizard. And then imagine you're being blasted at by, you know, 200 clone troopers. And he in his brain, he's just like looking around going, OK, I guess I can do this. But for you guys, you walk in and they go, imagine nothing, because we're literally going to put a sunset in over here. And you yeah. are going to, like you said, you can feel the color blue and that's truly how amazing that technology is. So what was that like for you coming in here and being able to almost have this, this brand new experience with this brand new technology among other like technologies that are completely blowing our minds still with yeah. people like Mike Manziel being able to bring, you know, the child to life. And what was that well, like for you as that whole experience? Well, I mean, like, so geeky me is like i'm in a land speeder and it's yeah. life-size and i'm you know in this thing or i'm in my own ship i'm in a ship that's mine it's not yeah. luke's it's not the falcon like this is mine yeah this is my new character and then i go in now you say 90s and you're talking about obi so i will go even sooner like more recent that john doing jungle book oh yeah my sure wife. that's a great point my wife is on this set as a motion capture artist just for a week or whatever, I think two weeks. And John sees her talking to the kid who's playing the lead, Neil, and he starts to really find some moments as an actor. And John's like, what's going on there? Because he is on blue carpet or blue whatever sheets. Yeah. And there's not an animal in sight. There is nothing like and i mean nothing and i'm thinking back to like my uncle patrick did sinbad i think in like 
1972 with Jane Seymour. Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. Yeah, here we go. And I call him and I'm like, you know, you were, uh, you were fighting these creatures. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, what was it? And he's like, a guy with a stick and a tennis ball running at me. And I'm like, yeah, that, explains, that explains what I saw uh, with you. Okay, yeah. I get it. It's kind yeah, of hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I go, so I really want you to come down here and see what I'm working with. And he's like, why? What is it? Said, well, pretty sure you're going to be angry. And sure enough, man, you walk in, and if you need a, a an X-wing to fly by, not only do they have it, but all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we're going to slow it down because you need to move your head slower." So I'm literally doing this and following an X-wing, yeah. or I'm supposed to be at Quills in this vast desert that's like Lancaster but in Star Wars and in this arena to ride the mud horn and learn how to you know uh, take the blurred blurred I mean yeah yeah sure uh, and and, and uh, like and I'm there like that it's like it's like being in uh Sevilla in Spain where they were shooting the spaghetti westerns with Clint yeah. you know like they had these beautiful sets and they were locations that were real yeah and it was like nothing I'd ever seen. And, and, and then to watch this stuff. So wherever the camera shoots, there's a, you know, like the idea behind cameras is that you have this triangle that comes out. Right. Well, it literally is how it works. And so the stuff over here, if the camera's not catching it, it it's not like necessarily in focus or whatever, but whatever the camera's catching. So if it's behind me, I can see it and move with it. If I'm flying into it, it's behind me, and I can't really see it, but I see some stuff. And so you're watching this camera move, and with it comes this detail that you're like, unbelievable. Right. And then they go, hey, come over here, and now look at it. And all I'm doing is looking at the, you know, the playback screen. They haven't even done anything yet. VFX, right. like Jason and those guys, they haven't even done anything yet. And then... I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, I'm flying. I'm having a dogfight with with my buddy Rio Hackford. Yeah. And we're you know we're going and you know, it was unreal. Like I I don't know how to explain it other than to say like that unfettered imagination we had when we were kids, where reality never got in the way of our imagination, and we were able sure. to stay and sustain the freedom as an actor to sustain and never have to leave the zone because of outside atmosphere is right. unreal. Yeah. And, and it's the, the echo of, of Paul Sung Lee when he's sitting there and he goes, I can't describe the amount of times I had to pinch myself because I'm, I'm, I'm a massive fan. He was wearing Star Wars costumes as a as a fan uh, outside of his acting career. This just because he loved the aesthetic and yeah. literally loved this stuff. He goes, then I remind myself that I'm sitting in a pilot suit in an X-wing cockpit, and I look over and I see another X-wing pilot, and I'm literally in space. He's like, I can't tell you how many times I just had a oh my god, this is real because, and I think in so many cases, like you know, the difference of where technology has come. 
Uh, oh, and yeah. that's cer- that's certainly changed the the the, the film, the movie industry, um, in its ability to be able to change things so quickly. And I think yeah. it's really like what a treat for actors. I have to imagine for you guys to be able to have the volume almost be another actor in the room to to bounce off. Well, it's it's one of the greatest additions to sets I've ever seen. Sure, because it allows you the freedom to keep telling a story unadulterated. So that's really, really, really important. And John's vision in that can't be minimalized because, you know, his experience probably, you know, seeing what Cameron was doing with Avatar. Right. And John's um, nothing if not innovative and competitive. And I don't mean that in like a, in the way competitive, I don't think he's outwardly competitive, like in a mean spirited or anything like that. I just mean that, he he wants to push now as an actor i see the limitless interpretations of technology and what potentially can happen and sure. i i dread it which sure, is sure. yep i'm with you and how good it gets and i know people are like oh no everyone will always want and all i can think of is the guy who kept his horse and buggy in spite of the fact that the automobile was created because that thing wasn't going to catch on. Right. And at a certain point, man, you gotta, you gotta accept that times there are changing. So part of me hates it, especially because technology advances so much faster than we do. And so how do we balance those things? But no part of me on set ever hates it. I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed at, you know, whether it's like, you know, uh, um, like Richard Bluff or Doug Chang or any of those guys being able to integrate. Of course. Yeah. Within the technology, they're incredible. Even Filoni, like they're incredible artist touch and making it still relevant in spite of the advancement around us. It is like you, you really do. And it's great as an actor because you really do have to push yourself to stay relevant. And that's, I mean, that's great motivation. Sure. Of course. What I was kind of getting at is just this idea that, um, you know, you walk around in the Mandalorian experience in celebration 2022 and you, you walk in and, you know, there's this nice like introduction to, you know, there's the silhouette of Din standing there and you go, Oh man, like what a, let me take a picture in front of this guy. And then you turn around the corner and it's like, well, how about a full size R2D2? And you're like, all right, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then you walk in and here is the brand new Din Djarin N1 Naboo souped up oh, yeah. super starfighter with Grogu inside waving at you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so cool. And so it's like, and I think what, what, and then you, and then you turn the another corner and you go, here's a full size Rancor just staring me in the face. That's growling the Banthas. Yeah. I mean, really it's a celebration of the fact that we understand as creators and of course, and the money people get involved, they always get involved because that's yeah. just the way that th- that's how life works. Yeah. But you know that there is a, 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 a certainly a group of people who understand the importance of aesthetic and that real props, real costumes, 
real things for actors like yourself to interact with truly do maintain the magic versus some of the other what are called yeah. CGI fests or anything like that. And the fact that we get to we get to archivally hold on to these things. Like they're physical yeah. things that we get to keep away. And so I I I think that's part of why the Mandalorian uh and and everything that's kicked off from it has really just continued to capture the essence of Star Wars. And I've got to believe you being able to play in this sandbox with these very adult sized oh. toys just has to be the coolest thing for you to to see what the creators are coming up with and being like, now I get to play with it. This is amazing. I mean, I remember walking in to uh, our first day of shooting was on the back lot. It wasn't even on the uh, volume. We were on the back lot in season one and we were filming the uh, me and IG-11 coming together and yeah. And, and and going to the camp and fighting to get in to see the kid and figuring that out. And it was as cool a thing as I'd ever seen. Like I was like, I've walked around this town. I looked at somebody and said, uh, I think I looked at Ryan Watson, the stunt coordinator. I was like, listen, yeah. man, I just need to walk around. So I'm not in awe the whole time. I need to be here. So I need yeah. to walk this set. And I had to walk in and, you know, go, oh, wow. Yeah. And then walk into another room and go, oh, my God. Right. Oh, oh. And it's so great because then you meet, you know, anybody from the set decorator to the set painter or somebody, and they're watching you react to their work. Yeah. And it's honest. It's not like I'm going in there to, you know, blow smoke up their ass. I'm there because I need it. And because I need to be a little bit prepared for the world that I'm supposed to know. And so right. I'm walking through this thing and I'm literally like, oh my God. And you can see these guys go, you like it? And I'm like, dude, you did it. Oh my, this is amazing. Like, ah, this is going to help me so much. And also they're finding these moments and I'm, I'm finding it weird that they're, they don't normally get this from people. For sure. And so like we have a love fest throughout this whole thing, you know, and I know some days, you know, they give them 10 minutes to make what they need to make. And then you see it on screen and it looks effortless, even if it's VFX. Yeah. And they do it in such a way that it looks easy. And that's our job. Right. right. Yeah. But I yeah. know it's anything but easy for these guys. And they, I try to make it as easy for them as possible by whatever they've done. I need to make it work. And I know that a lot of other people might proceed differently within that kind of context, but sure. I find that to be uh, less than professional. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's a certain part, I think in the, the ability for, you know, Star Wars has always done a really great job of you, you're casting some people that have enough experience, but you know, George Lucas never really hired. It wasn't about getting big, the biggest name to fill in. And right. then you have like, like you're saying you walk in and you know, to legacy effects and you see this T 800 exoskeleton and you're like, Oh my gosh. And then for you to join on set with Michael Bean oh. and you're like, I mean, you know, is this, is this a thing for you that you just really, I mean, how, how, let me, I got to ask you this, like how often do you just sit there and count all the stars in the sky and go, how crazy is this? Like, is that like, I have to imagine putting myself in super fan shoes like you, you know, there's never a day I take it for granted. 
Like I, I cannot that. tell you, like I, John, there's never a day John takes it for granted. Like yeah. they get so excited about their cast. And it doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, a small or a big part or a big star or whatever. Like Dave wrote the Jedi and it meant the world to him because he was going to introduce Ahsoka. Um, it was a Western and he loves it. And it was a samurai story and he loved that. And so yeah. it meant so much to him. So when, you know, I was healthy enough, he was really stoked because he's like, I really wanted you to have this opportunity with, uh, you know, Michael Yeah. And to be able to do that drawdown was legendary. I mind you, Buck Taylor, who's one of my idols. Uh, I I'm lucky enough to consider him a friend. Um, he, he's a great artist and he did this, um, rendition of Johnny Ringo. And he says, always look at their eyes. And I have it in my, I had it in my, um, on set in my room, first season, had it second season. And, you know, I walked him in and I was like, that's, and he's like, oh yeah, Buck. And I'm like, yep. Creek Johnson from Tombstone. And there you go. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm, and I'm working on, you know, at the time our production was called Huckleberry. Huckleberry. <laughs> and so, yep. I mean, it's a clear Right. reference to a moment that is legend. Um, and I'm working with a guy who's, you know, part of that moment that meant so much to all of us. Yeah. And I'll be your Huckleberry. Of course. There's yeah. moments on set where we're limited by what the costume can actually do sure. versus what we have imagined we're going to do in previs. And yeah. so we have to be nimble and agile in those moments. Camera, light, uh, our ADs, our PAs, those poor sons of guns, man. <laughs> they work. They work. And especially on ours because you're dealing with background um, numbers that are huge at moments. And they've got to not only keep them from being able to spoil a moment in the long run, but also like so that they're successful. Like that's what yeah. these, these poor guys who are running for 18 hours on – I don't even know what uh, they're as integral as anything. And so, you know, yeah. like my, my, my Andrews, my Joe's like all those guys, they're just so good at what they do. And yeah, and it's unreal. Like everybody, it's like, it's like, you know, uh, Bosch says, you know, everybody counts or nobody counts. And in That's Star right. Wars, you know, I have Mary who's, who's putting on my costume and having to deal with the, uh, whatever smell that's coming off me from underneath, you know, sure. like this poor woman. And she's so good. And, yeah. and the, you know, like if she ever wanted kids, I probably ruined it for her. Cause she's like, <laughs> I, I dress you every day. You're a, you're a petulant little, you know? And so, but she's so good at it and she's so meticulous and she knows not to trust me anymore. There and you so go. she knows to be like, no, I got to fix this now. Come here. Nah, nah. Like, and I'm like, nah, I got it. It's fine. Let's just go. And, you know, I treat it like it's an independent project. For sure. And so I'm like, let's just go. Time's wasted. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, really? I'm going to do a million dollar shot and have to do it again. And they're going to come to me. They won't go to you. 
And I'm that's like, right. Uh, that's right. Uh, well, well, I love. I, you tell me. Yeah, and I love that her that she was walking around at celebration. She like made this point to post online and being like, "I went around to all the Dinjarans <laughs> at celebration, and I made sure they were all tight." And you know, and I think for some of the like some of the, the you know whoever was wearing the costume is like, "Oh, this like nice woman came up to me and like yes. seemed to help me out." And I like it's one of those moments where you go, if they knew who she was, you would be like, fix anything you want. Fix anything on my costume. A hundred percent. And I, I I love that. Came over to uh, where I was staying at celebration and I'd like, they hang out. They love my, my family loves them. They're incredible. And we were all hanging out and she was talking about that. I was, I'm like, Oh my God, that is so perfect. Like that's spot on. Even when you're not working, you're working. You know what I mean? You got to appreciate that. the artistry of it matters to her. And that's, that's what's right. so great about like, she's, yeah. uh, she's indispensable for me. Yeah. I love that. Well, I, I want to get into a little bit for you, Brendan, too, as we're, as we're kind of like rounding out here, because if for, for someone who's been very aware of you've, you're, you were a part of it, you know, you've, you've been a part of the fandom of, of what has made Star Wars transcend for 50 years. Yeah. And then to be a part of this project, what was it like coming into the fandom for you on this side of it? Because once your name gets released and then you, you start getting, you know, it's like a press photo gets taken of you. Um, all of a sudden it's like a magnet of geeky nerds who can't get enough of this stuff, myself included. Uh, <laughs> you know, I started a podcast, Brendan, what's going on here? Um, but it's like, it's you, yeah, you get this like vacuum of people who just want to support the people who have contributed to this art and this, this narrative that they love so much. And so what was that like for you to kind of get introduced to the fandom on this side of things? You know, I, I don't know, uh, what the thought process was, it was behind, but for me, I was late to the party in a lot of uh, aspects because I, I mean, this is the first, uh, the first convention I was allowed to do was in Chicago. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't out there like the other guys, you know, like it was, it was clear Latif was going to be out in front of the train on this one. So I was able to pack my lunch and go to work, you know, and, and, and really come to it. Uh, from a place of uh, I'm I'm truly just a cog in this machine uh, yeah. because there wasn't room for me to to grow some kind of ego. So, and I was never raised that way. I, it would have been antithetical to who I am and what I would like my children to be like when they grow up. Just because you got yeah. a cool job doesn't mean you're better than anybody. You better stand up and be real. So when I, when I was really, the celebration really opened me up, uh, on, you know, like private messaging and all that stuff. Yeah. uh, yeah. My daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, she took over my social media presentation, but I always make a point and I've always made a point because my grandfather always made a point. And if he could do it at his status, Sure. My little low level over here needs to do the same thing, which is I don't have a job without you. And it's not even close. I don't have a job without me in the sense that I'm a fan of it. My brothers are fans of it. I don't tell them what's going on 
um, so that they can enjoy the season, not because as I'm, fans, right? I'm yeah, an NBA fans. guy. Uh, I do it because I want you to enjoy it. Like you never have seen me caught on the back lot with my helmet off. Sure. You've seen other Mandalorians who play Mando. Never saw me. Not once. Not in 40 years. You never saw me give anything away. And the reason is because the story is more important than my notoriety. And I actually like my anonymity on a lot of levels. Yeah, but I can I also respect like that for the sure. fans because when you talk to them, you really do find out what matters because mm-hmm. you can think one thing matters walking in the door, walking on the set. And then you meet people. My prop, my head props, Josh Rock, Bat Dragon Films. Yeah. This dude loves Star Wars with respect, not just next level geekiness, but he demands that it has an authenticity to the Star Wars, like you were talking about, taking these World War II guns and changing this and that. And that. That's what he does because yeah. it's part of what built the machine. So for me, I'm so lucky. There's a few, you know, here and there that I guess maybe, I don't know. I I haven't had to shut any, anybody who's like rude on my social media. I just block it. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it right. me, but I don't, you have the benefit of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I don't care. I'm not going to engage it. Whatever. You don't like it. Great. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I wish I could do something about it, but this is what I can do in this. If it's not good enough for you. I apologize. Or if it's yeah. not servicing your, if you come to me with political views, I'm going to throw up on your face. Cause that's yeah, not sure. what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. here to tell this story. And if right. you enjoy the story and you relate to the story, then I'm doing my job as best I can amongst a sea of people who all sure. deserve credit. So I love the fans. I love telling a fan, Hey, like I, in Chicago, you know, I didn't wear a badge or anything. I walked up to a guy in a costume and I was like, that's a little light. I don't know if I'd, uh, it, it, it needs to be wider. You know, you need to be hitting a little wider. This is a little go. short. I know you want movement, but I don't have movement. So figure out how to move without doing that kind of stuff. And they're like, okay, bud. Whoa. One guy, okay. One guy, yeah. yeah. Off and uh, I go, uh, that'll get you shot where I'm from. And he's like, ha ha, Mando, you can't shoot me. And then I took my head back and I said, actually, I'm Mando. We're going to take a picture real quick right here. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And then five minutes later, came over to where I was siding. I was like, I didn't realize. Oh my yeah. God. I was like, it's all right. I had fun. But I had fun with that. Like that, I, I don't have the ego like, hey, recognize me. Whatever. Who cares? Let's enjoy yeah. it. This guy, I mean, me at the at the Padres game, yeah. watching the kid respond to that means the world to me. It means we're telling a story that matters. It's yeah. great. I, I've never been annoyed, uh, and I know how to put up boundaries. So, like, if you uh, – I'm not searching for fans to pat me on the back kind of thing. Sure. I just like talking to them. And yeah. so I try to respond to everybody that messages me pertaining to things that I think I can speak to. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I love that, that sensibility of that because I think it gets hard too, because I understand for many people, and this is just, you know, the, how big 
that and how wide the fandom goes. Because like you said, you know, to have um, everyone that seems to work on these sets now, Star Wars shaped their life in some way. Some of, for some people, it's how they got into the industry was because they wanted to know how it was done. And it's such an amazing way to be a fan, to pay homage to it. And that's also like to have fans that are so passionate about making sure like, whoa, check it out. Season two, press photo came out. He's got the blue knee pad back. Like, whoa, here we go. You know, and this is like, this is something that most, most people would never realize that, you know, okay, so if we're talking, you know, how many versions of, of Din are there in season one? Because, you know, I'm one of those people who loves to go through those details. And so we've got, you know, you call it the Pinto, you know, the Pinto armor with all the, you know, the shore troopers from Rogue One. They've got all these different parts. And then you got the, you know, the Beskar, but then there was a, the scene where he only had the Beskar shoulder. So there's people who are like, whoa, we got to, you know, it's yes. just, it's, it's so great to see people appreciate all of those behind the, the scenes decisions uh, that oh, yeah. went into making it a purposeful part of of storytelling. And I want to ask you too, because you were, uh, I remember what a revelation it was in Chicago when John looks out into the crowd and says, hey, are there any 501st members here? And, you know, yes. a, a bunch of us stand up and we're like, yeah, that's us. Yeah. And he goes, you know, for the first time, we actually needed your help on something. And and yes. the, the story of how the stormtroopers arrived, uh, you know, on, on Navarro there and, and just having an incredible experience, uh, for them. But what did you, were you aware of this group before you had, uh, you know, been obviously got to know all of them. Uh, Were you aware of a group like that before? No. Um, like I didn't know there was, I was, I obviously took me 10 minutes to figure out how to do this thing. That's so okay. technologically, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, the, but... hey, we're all in a group thing. Like my groups were, uh, yeah, we play um, at seven o'clock on Wednesdays, uh, basketball at this court. So this yeah, is my go. group. This is my 501st. So that was sure. what like I, I grew up with. Um, and so when Dave was explaining, he's like, these guys are real deal. They make their own armor. I was like, what? Like they make this stuff. And I had met Chris at this point. So when he was explaining to me that he wasn't just a great actor, like he was literally a fabricator and did all the stuff. Yeah. I was like, dude, what? Yeah, this is like, yeah. how do you do this? I'm like, I bartend. Like the whole yeah. first season. I mean, this will tell you where I was. The whole first season through part of the second season, I was still bartending on the weekends. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, that was like, I wasn't, I'm, I'm still not impressed with myself. Um, so like, I was like, man, tomorrow they can fire me. Who knows? Whatever. Let's go. Have um, backup. So I meet these guys and I'm like, Oh, I thought I loved my work. These guys love it on another level. And they were sure. great. And like, we're all going to take this big picture. Yeah. And, uh, I literally, you know, they're like, Hey, have it off. And I was like, Nope. Yep. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, oh my God. That I'm glad that meant something to him. And, and it of did. Course. And it was, it was, you know, it's something that I do pride myself on. You know, uh, my managers and agents are like, you should take your helmet off more on set. I'm like, this is not the no, way. 
if this is not the way. And because it would be those things that I dislike greatly, which is, do I want recognition for my work? Of course. But do I want it at the expense of anything? No. I want it because I deserve it. And because someone felt like they should, you know, say, hey, look, this is what's going on. And so you guys know this is where he lies in the in that thing. That's up to them. I'm not going to I'm never going to prostrate myself for that stuff. It won't happen. But wait, I do want to show like I really do because people got freaked out when I called it a Pinto like it was a bad thing. And I know I posted to try to make it clear why, but can you see that? That is 100% like okay. that is his, that is his episode one armor. The, the brown, two browns. The yeah. The rust brown. brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There. So my name, like my kids I grew up with and everything um, that was sitting in my front yard. Like you've got to, you've got to send me that. You got to send me that so I could post this and be like, it's like a 1970s gremlin green hood. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what colored bronzish brown and I will send it so you can, I, it's It's really Uh, fast. The the best part about it is that it sat at my house like that for seven years and the Ivy that's behind it. Yeah. At that point, it had already been cut once, grew through the car. And so my buddies and my mom, because it was my older brother's car to take care of, and she wasn't going to ever take care of it. She wanted to make him you know, learn his lesson. Um, she was like, somebody going to do something with the planter? And then it became called the planter. So like oh the my Pinto God. was the planter. So when this costume, there was, I'm telling you right now, I put it on, I was super impressed. And then by the time I got home, from legacy on that day one of just trying it on. I was like, <laughs> it was the irony. and I called my brothers and I was like, dude, Boba Fett looks like a Pinto. And they're like, no, you're weird. And I was like, dude, I'm telling And then they saw it and they were like, oh my God, it's a Pinto. That, that's been sitting at the house for seven years. And here he is showing up in the strutting around in it. There we go. Oh my God. That's, inc- so that's incredible. I, yeah. I think the other, the, the, one of the last questions I want to, I want to ask you too, Brennan, because it's, it's clear that you're, you're so passionate about respecting this role. And as we're getting to know more and more about the, the story of, you know, we had a very brief flashback in the beginning of, you know, Din has a Din has a different background, and then we get to know more of these other characters. Uh, yeah. And then you go to find out, of course, like there's a connection all the way back to Clone Wars era, and and you know, then of course you look at like who is the keeper of this story, and none other than Dave Filoni, who like eat, breathe. Part yeah. of his blood type is like Jedi. Um, part of his blood type is Lucas. You're you're like, right. You are absolutely like, right. It was like they were able to do a brain transfer into him, but yeah, go on. But I was when what I wanted to ask you is like as you know, you get to meet more fans and they they start to ask you questions and stuff like that. Like where where do you feel like your level of lore is at in regards to Star Wars? Is is it you know do you ever have to ask Dave like hey can you give me a little more clarity on what is going on here or do you feel like you're you're like up and up on it because I I know I feel this way as a mega fan sometimes I'm like what's going on here? No, I'm glad you asked this. So I'm the guy who leaves it. My brother, Dave, my brother, Chris, are the canon guys. 
And oh, like, there we go. Oh, yeah. Like, they will, I will go to my brothers and be like, hey, so, uh, blah, 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 I got to do this. And they're like, you can't. And I'm like, what? And they're like, nope, bro, you can't do that. And I'm like, I don't understand. Wait, why? And they're like, because this happened and then this and then, you know, Bosk did this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I'll go on set and then Dave will mercilessly uh, Filoni will mercilessly be like, uh, "Why do you not watch Clone Wars or Rebels?" <laughs> you blah blah blah. And then so my agent Nick Diarmendi, who is just a tremendous human being, he he watched everything, so I can call him, nice. and he will be like, "I don't think that's canon." Here you go. And, and this is my agent. Like this is a guy who works in a hundred different genres. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And I'm I'm. The guy who's there, they're like, hey, you just made that canon. I'm like, I understand when it gets to be canon and when it doesn't get to be canon. <laughs> so I, mean, yeah. I literally try to stay the hell because I know I'm going to sound like, and I'm going to, it's, it's that old uh, saying, what is it? Um, it's better not to say anything and have them think you're stupid than to say something and prove them right or whatever. <laughs> Remove all doubt. That's oh, I love that. what I'm trying to avoid. I love it. Well, and especially because, you know, the way that Dave loves to tell stories is that, you know, he's in, and especially in an upcoming series involving a a certain Togruta, um, there, there is, you know, you have this, you have these things where you look back and, and especially for people who have consumed all of the Star Wars media, it's like, you can't watch anything without assuming half of the Easter eggs are in there to see if Dave Filoni if you're paying attention because this has, just has him all over it. Right. Um, so, but I can, I can also understand from your end where you're like, okay, I need to know the story so that I can do my job. And, but also at the same time, I, if I go too far into this rabbit hole, then I'm going to be one of you geeks too. Well, yeah, well, okay, I can so imagine. I'll tell you about Easter eggs. I feel like, and maybe it's because Dave tries to kind of sit back a little bit more. You sure. Uh, when we're when we're all together, like, but when John and Dave are working together, it's probably a little bit 50-50. But I feel like John is more of a geek in that sense. Dave's more of like he likes to be the professor of it, sure, and be like, oh, but young master, this is not the way. And you're like, ah. And John will be like, oh, so I'm throwing this in here because this is an ode to this, and blah, 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 blah. And like when Dave does those, it's about, you know, he doesn't tell you about the Easter egg that's literally like right here. But he's like, yeah, but this is an Easter egg to those who watched Yo Jimbo. And I'm like, what does that have to do with the story of Star Wars that I'm telling? I want to know the Easter egg. How come I don't? Like, so I just, I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I, it's funny, you say this, because then you, you're right about everybody on set got into this because of Star Wars. Not everybody, but a lot of them. Um, they will come up and be like, dude, that was so cool. You do that. And, you know, and, and this, that goes to New Hope. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, oh, like, for oh. someone like, yeah, like, what? Yeah, I, 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 I love I have, that. I have six monologues right now that I'm, I'm throwing down. What's going on here? Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Right, but right. Yeah. And then and, I, and and then you see the internet almost because I'm on this side of it too. 
you know, the the where you grab the whatever they called it, you know, Peli Motto gives you the exhaust manifold or whatever. You know, you pull this thing out and then people go, it's the same pipe from the Death Star. Oh, you know, it's like <laughs> no one else would care about this except for these fans who, like you said, continue to breathe life into this franchise to keep it going. And Absolutely. it's it's just it's such a celebration of so many things. And I want to, of course, congratulate you, Brendan, on your success and being able to be a part of this fandom and really and it's it's very clear through our conversation that um you know you you understand uh why this is so important to people and that truly it's it's so refreshing to hear someone who wants to honor the code of the story and and wants to to bring these characters to life to understand how much they mean to people so i just want to say thank you from myself and from the fandom was i have to ask though was was your grandfather did he watch star wars do you think he was a fan did that ever come up i do um i know he was a fan and i the reason the reason why i know he was a fan was because um my mom god rest her soul and she didn't get to see me play mando i I think she's probably enjoying it on her big screen Um, oh yeah but uh she was so happy uh when she was able to relay to me as a kid because i was like i love that oh my god it's that good because your grandfather thinks this is the new western and it's going to be the only thing that saves western storytelling because he felt like the spaghetti western and I trust me, I love Clint. He he was fine. Like, is harsh, and he didn't want. He was of the opinion that we we should represent things that we want. You know. Yeah. You know whatever, and that that was a, a little bit more towards the reality of what was going on, and maybe sensationalized whatever. So his look at it was, oh, good. The mythologies are still being told, and it's not That's about. Cool. The grotesque approach. Uh, it was about what Joseph Campbell. I mean, yeah. I'm a, a disciple of those. Uh, all of it. That's that's. I was you know trained by Nikolai Guzov, who did the Chekhov technique, and Joseph Campbell was a big part of the representations of character and archetypes, and that's right. Mando is. In so many ways, so many, uh, and and Star Wars is Odysseus, is you know, uh, Sinbad. When it's you know, whomever it is, it's it's all those things. You know, Han Solo. Sure, he's a, he's a cowboy, but yeah. so is Luke Skywalker. Right. You know, I mean, people want to give it, and and Harrison is easily identifiable as that, but so is Luke. Luke is you know, he's that clean cut you know, a uh, kid who's on a journey and, and man, I, I love all, all the, the way those stories are told. So yeah. Do I think John wouldn't be a fan? Uh, I, I mean, even if I wasn't in it, yes, I think he was a fan. Yeah. I know he was. And I know for a fact that I, I come from that thought process. And so me being in this world, this galaxy, and the love that I have for it and the demand that I put into it uh, to be honorable in that way is, you know, and then John's, you know, at the end of the day, John and Dave, they're trying to make sure that we stay 
in a certain place. And it, it was, it, yeah. to me, I looked at it like when Daniel Craig stepped in and did Casino Royale, uh, there was an excitement that we'd gotten used to certain things and he brought something that I hadn't seen since Sean Connery. Sure. And it was, a, you know, it was a ruggedness and I had worked with him. So it was really interesting to see the different facets of him as an actor. So I, I love, I mean, so yeah, watching these guys honor these stories and give it, you know, Mando has a grit to it that I don't know that the older star Wars necessarily had, although I do think it did. Um, it brought it back. Maybe, maybe it was a little too polished. I don't know. I didn't have much problems with star Wars ever. Honestly, yeah. I love storytelling and I didn't feel like they owed me anything. So when I went to see him, I went to be taken away. So sure. I, that's what I do. I mean, I go watch, I go watch Obi and I'm so impressed with Deb and her vision. And yeah. I'm so impressed with Robert and, and what he did. I knew he was making a four hour movie not a half hour miniseries. Yeah, and so right, I, knew, right. I knew to hold my breath and, and put them together to enjoy them. And yeah. man alive, just, I don't know. You're, yeah. It just remind me of that other question you had about, do you ever just look at, at the stars who are involved? Yeah. And then I get to be inspired by him like Robert. And now I play guitar because he said I could. And he said, oh, just man. do it, just do it. And you're like, and I'm sitting in his trailer while we're filming and he's showing me how to, you know, change chords, just hit a rhythm, just hit a rhythm. Like, and then, you know, I got Carl Weathers sitting across from me in season one and he's like, Hey, can you speak up a little? And I got to go, Hey dude, I'm sorry. I'm such a fan of yours that I was geeking out. Um, I'm right here. And then he became like a mentor to me. And now sure. we're friends. Like, like, Ming, I'd already worked with her on Agents of Shield. Now, for her, it's peripherally. She has ten thousand guest stars, you know. But I got to work a few episodes, and so to have her come on and then be the absolute consummate professional badass on top of it, and then loving everything like the tough stuff, the the not so tough stuff, uh, unreal. So yeah, I and, love and being for... here. Thank you for having me in this universe. Because if you didn't like it, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have the fun I get to have with the crew I get to have it with. Yeah. And that, and I, I love, I love the entire, just the appreciation. I think that it just comes across so much. And everyone that I've talked to is, understands that they are keepers of moving. This is, this is why this fandom, this franchise will continue to be made for another 20 years, finding new fans along the way. Yeah. And there also is something to be said for, you know, you and I both aren't, you know, I'm a little younger than you, but I'm not that much. There's many days where I wake up and I do not feel young anymore, Brendan, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's certainly something to be said for the fact that, we're celebrating in our adulthood in times yeah. where traditionally we have lost that suspension of di disbelief. We've lost yeah. that sense of wonder um, because the world is the world and it's, it's trained us to get our heads out of the clouds and, you know, onto yeah, the, be practical. the stand here. Feel the ground right, right. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really cool to see people, especially like, you know, to, to have Tamura come back at, you know, oh, almost damn. 60 years old and be Boba Fett and, he's, and, so and he's like, oh, unreal. God, he's a so, ass. 
it's so cool to see that. And I just, I, I think there's something to be said for um, the fact that this fandom and bringing new actors on that are, they're going to do, you know, Natasha's doing incredible work on, on Ahsoka. Um, and it's just, it's really amazing to see how wide this fandom is and to meet all the people that are involved. And you really just go to come to find out that really everybody is just a fan of what George did in 1976. And here we are celebrating it every single day as fans, as friends, as just lovers of the lore. Right. Well, yeah. And then think about like, like who you talk to about this, like this disparate people, like, like, we have such a hard time talking to somebody not within our safe circle today. Sure, yeah. I mean, I don't, but that's because I'm not smart enough. No, seriously, <laughs> is like uh, this is something that allows us the freedom of conversation. And the funny thing is, underneath this thing, all these things that we tell it, you know, I'm a part of telling a certain part of the story and the, the whole story. Don't look too closely. If you if you do, you might have a serious conversation come out of it, which I've had, and people's eyes open and go, oh, my God, that is what has been – this is the cloak, but we're presenting something that's very relevant. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. It, it's not just relevant. In It's a historical relevancy because, as we know, cycles happen. Yeah. The, these stories are retold and retold for a reason. And yeah. sometimes this is where we're going to learn from. This is our history book sometimes. Sure. And so sure. how do we, you know, uh, we've advanced technologically. So does that mean, uh, you know, this is how we're going to read later? Is, right. is this, is this, you know, from the stone walls, I saw the best meme, by the way, but the stone walls that were, you know, these paintings that we had, and we learned yeah. from them, you know, now is this what we learn? And, right. and, and do, do, what do we, what responsibility do we have as storytellers, as story uh, enjoyers? Right. We have to be smart about what we do so that yeah. it can be presented to everyone and they can all come within the fold because um, we need things that unite us worldwide yeah neighborhood wide and otherwise. And I think that's the great thing that Star Wars. I love that. And we're not the only ones, but that's what we do do. And we do it really well. Yeah. Yeah. And Star Wars, Star Wars has always been about family and finding a family that might not be yours, but finding a family, uh, uh, leaving a family, coming together, finding other people that are like you. And, and for me, that's, uh, yeah, support you. And that's, and that's for, for myself, that's finding other fans that want to spend their time being creative and building costumes that we see and want to recreate them. And then it's, it's for me, it's also having a, a podcast and sharing stories of people like yourself who, um, have been able to contribute to this universe universe and, and, and leave their mark on it in a way that is because they love it. Um, and so I love, I love all these things that you're saying. I love that there's maybe a little bit of an ominous tone of what could come of season three in terms of different people with different ideologies coming together to figure out what the heck we're going to do if something even bigger than us happens. So that's all I'm going to say. 
That's a question. Do we come together? Oh, boy. Here we go. And that's why people listen to Armor Party, Brendan. That's it. So, Brendan, I want to say again, thank you so much for for being on Armor Party with me and and just sharing your your background of, of what an amazing journey you've been on. But I absolutely cannot let you leave until we do a lightning round where I ask you seven questions. You try to rip them off as fast as you can. And I custom tailored them just to you because I knew if I'm going to have Din Djarin on the Mandalorian, I've got to absolutely hammer these questions to you. So you want to do this? Let's go. All right, let's do it. All right. Now, Din Djarin is known for the shine that makes them all jealous. But Brendan, if you were to give Din a new paint job on that armor, what color would you pick for an armor repaint? Blue, dark blue. With dark blue, is it? What's the significance of dark blue for you? Because blue makes me feel good, but dark blue allows you to have a little bit more than just good, and that's what we all are, and that's what Din is. He's an antihero. He's not perfect. He's yep. a guy who's done the wrong thing, but in the right moment, he does the in, in the toughest moments, he does the right thing. Like, hey, Grogu, I'm gonna go get you back, even though it's gonna ruin my life. I love that. And I love how quickly you answer. That means like you've been, there's, there's something in there. Oh, you're like, yeah. you, you've, you've had enough time to sit in that costume and think about it, which I love. All right. Second question, Brendan. Din believes weapons are a part of his religion. So what Star Wars blaster would you want to bring home and have some fun on the range with? Next season. Oh boy. Here we go. Here we go. This is this is what I'm saying here. We've got we've got the, the like I said the the ominous point of whatever we cannot talk about, but there's something certainly coming which I absolutely love. All right, let's put it this way. What's a what's another weapon of Star Wars that you think is the coolest that people might have known that they don't need to know is coming? I I absolutely truthfully I I have the best. There's I agree. Another one I want. The Amban is the coolest rifle. My 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 uh, my pistol, and I want everyone to know that there's a space between the last bullet, and that was I made sure that that was the case, and so everyone understands why that is. I don't know if that like oh, absolutely. Then I'm going to ask you one at the end. Go ahead. All right. There we go. Uh, so we've got, so, so the, uh, I believe in, in Canon, it's called the, uh, IB 94, which was based off a of Bergman, Bla- uh, Bergman pistol. Uh, and that's, that's where the Din's official sidearm is, which I think is a badass blaster. So yes. I love that answer. Now, question number three, Brendan, we can't not talk about the new hot rod that Din has shown up to town with, but if you could pilot any ship in star Wars, what would you take on an adventure around the world with? Razor Crest. Oh, everyone's favorite minivan. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's my Pinto. That's <laughs> the, the, the best part about it is like you think about the Razor Crest, right? And the, the, the little dialogue that Dave and, and Paul have 
of course, we know them in character as Trapper Wolf and, and oh, Carson yeah. Teva. But when Din pulls the move where it's like, I got to get out of here, and, and they go, where is he going in that thing? It's the equivalent of a high-speed chase in a Winnebago. You know what I mean? It's got all your stuff in the back, and you're like, we're all got to, I got to get out of here. And I've always thought that was like, that to me is what how badass the Razor Crest was, the most badass Winnebago you could ever dream of. Ever. Yeah, it reminds me of Stripes. Where they they yeah. go and steal the, the <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. So, Brendan, you've seen multiple lightsabers on your time, including your own. The Darksaber, a legendary Jedi-based machine that passes different people, different owners, always through combat. But in your opinion, Brendan, what is the coolest lightsaber in Star Wars? A broken one. Oh, I like that. So you think, uh, let's go back to, we'll go back to The Last Jedi. You see a broken lightsaber with a kyber crystal in the middle of it. So explain a little bit of why you think a broken lightsaber is the coolest kind. Because I honor my creed as a Mandalorian, and the Jedis were not our friends. That's right. And the lightsaber, it has done nothing good for Mandalorians. So I want no part of that lore and I'll take my best car and I'll take my blaster and I'll go home. Oh baby. Smoking like Tar Vizsla right there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Din has come across many creatures across the galaxy, some nicer than others, but what animal in Star Wars, Brendan, would you absolutely avoid at all costs? Mudhorn. I wonder why. Did any, did you ever run into one? That son of a, I, I, I gotta say, I have pictures of that day, like the different levels of armor brutality. It was amazing. amazing. It was an incredible. It was an incredible scene, and I love the because I collect all the art of books, right? And so you've oh, got yeah. all, you know, oh, yeah, Christian Allsman and like all these incredible oh. Doug Chang, you know, and you so and I good. love that. Yeah, it was. It has that you know realistic. Uh, you know, a creature that we've definitely seen walk on this planet at some point, but it just, and that whole scene was, as Rick said, you're like, what are we doing here? And he's like, trust me, this is going to be iconic. And he's so cool. He was literally like, trust me. Yeah. It's going to be good. And I'm like, no, (laughs) he was right. (laughs) He was right. All right, Brendan, you've been on Sons of Anarchy and know your way around some cold steel, but who, in your opinion, would be the leader of a Star Wars biker gang? He was already on. Boone! That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, when you think about that, you think in many ways of going, uh, hey, didn't we used to do some jobs back then, old Mando, right? Yes, uh, man. He walked in. I was like, "Hey, you're the reason I got. I took a shotgun shell to the chest." He's like, "Oh, I forgot about that." I thought he literally thought I I I had gotten injured in the scene. He's like, "I," because he leans over, and that was not how we had rehearsed it. Yeah, because he thought that the um, what do you call it? Uh, the squibs had yeah. actually killed me. Oh boy. He was worried that I was physically jacked up. And I was like, that's the greatest compliment I've ever heard, dude. 
So if you're if you're wondering who we're talking about, we're referencing Mark Boone, who was the uh, let's see, this would have been uh, was it what was the name of the episode, the Prison Break episode? Um, oh yeah, Prison Break is uh, it, that's another Rick episode. Yes, yes, and who also made an appearance in it at the end? Yeah, uh, I think he's episode uh, six. Yes, I believe so. And he was uh, the the infamous pilot who who didn't falter, Jib Dodger, in his <laughs> own name. Which I wonder why he chose that name. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that answer. So Din's been able to visit few places on the outer rim, but eventually retirement calls for us all. I hope. Brendan, what planet in Star Wars seems to be the place that you'd like to call when you go to hang up the armor? Ah, Tatooine? Nice and dry. Don't have to worry about any floods. Nothing, really no, nothing to burn. No forest fires. Bull rust my Beskar. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that's it. I think that's Either that, or I'm gonna have to go back to, you know, Sorgan and see if maybe uh, Omera could be waiting. You know, she could be waiting I'm, for you. I know I'm waiting for. Her. She's so good. <laughs> like she, you had, like you have no idea. She was Julia is one of the most talented actresses I've ever like. She was able con- to convey a, a, a full-on love interest. To a helmeted, right, football suit wearing. I mean, like, like what? She yeah. was great. She's um, yeah. she was so impressed. God, she's still impressed me. Anyways, yeah. So uh, and, I'm gonna go with that. I'm going as my answer. Yeah, I'm I love that because true love. Yeah, and and that was again an Easter egg, uh, specifically an Easter egg. In that is when they had the uh, the Rebelly blaster because we're talking blasters here. You had the Rebel V10, which was uh, famously seen by Bosk uh, on the uh, on the the bridge of the Death Star, right? You know, so all of these things are just again coming back to our love as fans. Oh, but that's a fantastic answer because that was that was Bryce's episode. Yeah. Uh, and and to be able to, you know, because I'm a huge fan of Solo, and so I'm sitting here being like, gosh, the Howards, are they like the most yeah. amazing Star Wars family? Like, how do we just give them a couple projects? <laughs> I'm with you. That's I, it. I, I love Bryce. She is the kindest, most supportive human. And then on top of it, as a director, uh, her vision and her ability to give you the opportunity to succeed is... Yeah. There's, there's yeah. nobody who's better. There's a lot that are great, but there's nobody better. So yeah, yeah, right. and and the uh, and the the nuance just because we're talking about it, the nuance in the Din episodes of Book of Boba Fett where you and Chris are in the elevator together, and he's dressed as the casket dog and kind of looks down and it's like, is that a bloody bag of something? And then you kind of just give him a little look, like, hey, buddy, this yeah. ain't your business. Okay, oh. all right. <laughs> and then he walks out, and I'm like, oh my god. I was trying to hold myself up. Yeah, I yeah, I'm dying that. here, man. That was great. That was so fun. To, that from the meat locker through the, you know, that's a one shot yeah. that we did in the volume where I they follow me into this elevator and I'm pointing at one wall of the volume. It's incredible. Yeah. And then we come out and they follow me and I go in another room and then I come out of that and I go in the elevator and then I go all the way down to the bottom. Like Simon... 
James, who's doing, uh, you know, the steady cam on that, his yeah. ability to stay there through that whole scene, no cuts. Yep. Incredible. He, he was the MVP for me. Um, yeah. And he saved me from sucking. So it's great. Oh my gosh. And it, an iconic, an iconic episode. In, in my opinion, you've got, you know, the reintroduction of Paz. I mean, oh, yeah. everything about it. And then Emily, of course, is the arm, which is incredible. Uh, um, and and so Emily. it's just it's just a celebration of all things are that are that are to come. So, Brendan, again, thank you so much for being here and, and chatting with me. It's been absolutely fantastic hearing your Wait, story. I have my question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit what me with it. What is the significance of the skipped bullet on the bandolier? The significance of the skipped bullet on the bandolier. It's so that you knew when you were a gunfighter. There was always one in the chamber. One left. So you hit that space, that meant you better make this be count. And the funny thing is, only on my rifle did I ever load. You're right, right. So you might want to ask him, why do I have those charges still? I love that. I love, it. and then the leg, and then we had you got him on the leg too. You know, you've got him on in the grave, and then you know you got him on. The, you, yep, yep. Here, so here. it's all part Amanda, of it, and it's it's something that I see. I remember saying, "Hey, look, we we can't have these all filled," and they were like, "Huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, I need one gone. If I, if we're gonna play him western, he's got one gone because he knows that's how he knows in in a battle, and you're loading, and you go to something that's empty." You have that moment, whether you pause or not. Okay, I know I'm going to my last one. Bang. Okay, I have four shots, and this last one's it. So, there you go. There we go. Spoken like a true sharpshooter. Well, Brendan, I know you're hitting the convention circuit pretty hard, and you've got a couple great events coming up. So, where could people? Well, first of all, where can people find you on on social media? Because you uh, you've been posting some of the incredible photography of Justin Lubin. You've been sharing oh. some behind the scene. I mean, like I can't get enough of that stuff. So, my friend, Dude, post all the how stuff. Great, how great! How great is Justin Lubin and his presentation? I am the real Brendan Wayne on Instagram. You can find me there. Um, pretty much the real Brendan Wayne on all those social media platforms. Wow. Uh, I'm really just trying out TikTok right now, or we're going to find some fun things to do, hopefully with there that. You go. Uh, but I, I will say this, um, you're going to get a lot more things that you haven't been able to see. Uh, I haven't been able to release because my contract required me to sure. sit in a corner in a dark room. There so now that they've given me I, a little leash, at least. I'm going to New York Comic Con. You'll see me there awesome. for sure. I'll be in Seattle uh, next year, and I'm going to try to find one more to do before uh, the end of this year. Um, I don't know where or when yet, but uh, I want to do one more and then probably do three or four next year if my, you know, season four will allow. Um, sure. But I, I, I'll tell you what. I love this. I I love that your knowledge of Star Wars. So after season three, if you're like, hey, you want to come back on? I gotta have you back on. Once we start season three, I'm I'm here, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, you know, we'd love to have you at Motor City Comic Con in Detroit, and uh, oh, you know, I mean, go up. I'm glad you said that. I have to do that for yeah. my wife. Like 100. percent 100. Yeah. So that one, and I I am also. If you want to, like, I have. T-shirts with the 
I don't know. I should have one around here, but I don't. Uh, and I have hats now uh, with my uh, swagger. There you go. Know where I'm in my cowboy hat, uh, yep. but it's my silhouette. Um, and you can find them at Star Wars Autograph Universe, um, or as I call Swayu. Uh, yep. All those guys, they were all fans. You know, I, I'm just going to throw this out there because you should know the guys I do my signings with, the guys who represent me that way, um, yeah. they were just fans who reached out and said, hey, you know, we want to do a signing. And I had expressed, I told them, hey, look, I won't do a signing unless Latif's with me. Of course. And they were like, what? And I was like, dude, that's how we got here. Like, this is the dude who does all the stunts. He's a great guy. I want him to have just as much success. Um, and so they were like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Oh, my God, that's so cool. And then he was like, um, they were like, look, you know, we're looking at, you know, we'd like to. And I said, what, make it approachable for the fans? Then, yes, let's, I don't, I'm not trying to make money off them like somebody's got to, you know, sell a leg. Sure. I, I, it's important to me that if you want my stuff, you can get my stuff. It's not sure. going to cost you more, you know, than, uh, whatever. So that's that was their big approach. They wanted it for the fans. And they've Love been that. amazing. And so I stuck with them because they eventually have branched out and shown that they're worthy people doing good work for good fans. And so any, anytime you need something from me, uh, reach out to me. But also sure. tell me, uh, reach out through Star Wars Autograph Universe. They'll, uh, they know exactly where and what I'm doing, always. I love that. I love that. Well, like I said, I hope to see you in the Mighty Mitten State. I'm going to try to plan for uh, uh, Motor City Comic Con myself. I'm going to drive from the UP where I'm in and yeah, come on you, down. You want to be a youper, huh? Yeah, I've, I've lived here for, uh, yeah, about eight years. Oh, um, and I, I went, yeah, I went to college here. I live literally like if you walk out my house, like Lake Superior is right down the street. So I'm in Marquette. <laughs> We, we would go there, I'm trying to think, every time we would visit my wife, uh, the yeah. in-laws. Like, we would go up there and visit. My grandfather used to love to go uh, right below there to, um, whatchamacallit? We oh, Mackinac. Mackinac. And yeah. I, that was when they, I don't know if they still do it, but I was in the no cars. Oh, no, they, it's still no car. I was just there it's like three weeks ago. Yeah, no cars still, yeah. Oh, I love it's it. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so so great. Yeah. Well, so, there you go. So, so come to Motor City Comic Con, and uh, and then yeah. just make a little trip out of a little a little zip up Michigan, and uh, and you know, give me a call, and I'll yeah, come we'll do Michigan to with you. Turkey. We'll go up to the. We'll go to the UP. I'll be, dude. Either you come to Detroit, which is a trek for you, or yeah, worth I'll it. Come out there. We can go to. We go out to Hawkins and get some barbecue, or go up to there we go. You know, wherever. Like, I, dude, I love. Michigan, and then you know the funny thing is, is uh, we'll fly into Chicago and yeah. drive because it's it's quicker than going yeah. through Detroit. Yep. And so, anyways, yeah, I'm there. Let's go. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I'm going to end this conversation. I got to say, of course, thank you again, Brendan, for for being a fan, being the Mando, and just really loving Star Wars and and having this be a a part of your life in a way that affects us the same way that we feel about it. So again, may the force be with you, my friend. But most importantly, this is the way. This is the way. And that wraps up another episode of Armor Party. How amazing is that? 
John Wayne is your grandfather. You end up learning all the tips and tricks of being a gunslinger from the Wild West, and then you become one of the most popular characters in all of Star Wars. No big deal, right? Brendan's humility and appreciation for all the people who make the show happen is absolutely commendable. Season 3 of The Mandalorian comes out in 2023, but it's not like I had to remind anyone in this audience that it's coming. Speaking of appreciation for shows, my production partner and composer of Armor Party's iconic themes is Alton James. Alton is a childhood friend of mine. He's a beyond talented artist who can handle about any audio project you throw his way. So get at him for audio composition, fan films, pretty much anything you can think of that needs audio work. Find him at Alton underscore James on Instagram to check out his extensive catalog of all the projects he's worked on. A shout out to longtime supporter of Armor Party, Jason Chiodo. He is a Wizard of Lightsaber Builds and Daytimes as an audio engineer who helped on this episode. Find his work at New Hope underscore workshop on Instagram as well. Check out my friends and thank the maker on Instagram and Twitter for weekly recaps of Andor. I'll be popping over there to share my thoughts on this amazing series from time to time. And our podcast pals in Princess and Scoundrel are talking all things Disney, Star Wars, and everything in between those experiences over at Princess and Scoundrel Show on Instagram. Once again, I am your host, Mike Forrester, officially telling you to panic about your Halloween builds because it's October and we're in the end game now. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode. Find us on Armor Party Show over at Instagram. And remember, being an adult is boring, but building Star Wars armor is anything but. Proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> <laughs>